Father, we stand in your presence. We rejoice in what you revealed to us in terms of how worthy you really are. May that journey continue to deepen us by the Spirit. Father, as we look at a familiar passage of Scripture this morning, we thank you that your Spirit will teach us deeper truths and be glad in the truths that we know because we journey and you always are with us. Worthy is the Lamb. Paid a tremendous price for us. Sustain us by your grace. Rest of this service we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Some of my thoughts this morning are from Dr. John Frankie, a good friend of mine who is a professor at Biblical Seminary in Hartfield, PA. George Burns, in 1977, uh, developed a movie known as Oh God. After the production of this particular movie, he was asked the question, Was Jesus God's son? Um, Burns responded, Jesus was his son. Buddha was his son. In fact, all human beings are his sons and daughters, since he created them all, including Muhammad. Relative versus absolutes this morning. What's wrong with this statement? We're all in class, and I should sit on a stool as I lecture a class, as I usually do that. But what's wrong with this statement as we kind of stand and look at each other for a little bit? My goodness. Hey, it's time to be awake here, folks. <laughs> what's wrong with this statement? Calling Jesus a liar? Speaking others as being equal with Jesus. Very good. Frankie says this, The two predominant words in our culture today, the cultural wars in many ways, are the word absolute and the word relative or relativism. We're not going to define those terms this morning because we don't have, we don't have the... Uh, time to do so. But I want to say a couple of things to you as we walk into this text in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son. He is the incarnate Son of God, typified by the virgin birth. All the fullness of deity dwells in the Lord Jesus Christ in human form. Fully divine and fully perfect and fully human. Result, of course, is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now stay with me this morning. When the Holy Spirit came upon the Virgin Mary and caused the Virgin Mary to become pregnant, that conception, the virgin birth, that act of the Holy Spirit's will 
and the flesh of Mary to be able to respond to that. That conception is perfect. As the fetus was developing in the fallen woman, the sinful woman, that process of development into becoming a human being, the Holy Spirit kept Jesus perfect in every aspect of that pregnancy. Further, even the process of Christ being delivered, leading to His first bed of a manger, that process of deliverance also sustained the fact that Jesus was perfect in every way. Also, as Christ had ministry amongst us, and I'm going to repeat this again on Easter Sunday, also as Christ had ministry amongst us, and as He was on the cross dying for us, that dying process was perfect. It gives us tremendous hope when we think of our dying process to become followers of Christ, and as we die to self and we become like as He is, not only as far as position is concerned, but also in ministry and life. Just as Jesus was kept perfect in that dying process, so He keeps us that we can become and see and believe and cherish that we're children of the Most High God. Can Muhammad say that? Can Buddha say that? Can Joseph Smith say that? And the answer, of course, is an absolute no. But as I read the works of John Frankie, you know what his statistics is? 52% of the people who embrace an evangelical church say there's more than one way to know Christ. There's more than one way to ultimately get to heaven. 52% of us. I wonder how many of us are like that and believe that as far as our status and our desire to be a part of First Alliance Church. Think of it. The wear and tear of relativism. And how tough it is these days to speak the truth that's absolute. Even the last creation of the army in a certain location in this country, they made sure they provided a place for the Buddhists to worship, for the Islams to worship, for the Christians to worship, and so on. Relativism, political correctness, and so on and so forth. Again this morning, is there anybody else that can give testimony of a perfect pregnancy, a perfect birth, a perfect ministry, a perfect dying process, and ultimately a perfect resurrection? Amazing. When Jesus was raised from the dead the third day, Lent's coming pretty quick, folks, as we know. Who did Jesus speak to? Mary, a troubled woman. 
but the gospel. The perfect one. The one who was perfectly obedient. All truth, all life, and all direction was able to deposit compassion to Mary. And nothing was lost when he showed compassion to this woman. You know something? None of us are any different. But we have opportunity to recognize how the Spirit of God speaks to us and how He wants us to be His children, to embrace Him as the way, the truth, and the life. For a few moments this morning, let's look at these three points. And I want us to look first at the way as we turn to 1 John chapter 4. And I want you to turn your Bibles and look at that. And we'll read these verses and make a couple of comments. First John chapter 4. And we'll notice verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love amongst us. The first point of the way is God's love. Notice verse 16 of 1 John chapter 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Think of it. All the agony of the Master. All the rejection that He had for us. Yet He was able to say with gladness and with perfect resolve to the thief, with me you'll be in paradise. Even in Christ's most weakened condition, just moments before He died, as Dr. Shook in one of the churches that pastor revealed this to us as we listened to him as a cardiologist, just before He died. He's able to say, with me you'll be in paradise. The creative work of love. God first loved us. And as a result of that first love for us and the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Christ has laid down, when we embrace Christ and ask Him to wash us from our sins, nothing is lost of the gospel. It still is enough. To save everybody, even you, even me, and to sustain us. Amen? The way. Secondly, for a few moments, let's look at the truth as found in verse 6 of John chapter 14. Truth is not found in abstract notions or theories or man's conceived thoughts or conviction but it's found in verses 1 through 5 of John chapter 1. And I want us to turn to John chapter 1 as we embrace that just for a moment or two. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now what I'm trying to say here is basically this. I'm trying to bring out a, in very cursory form the creative almightiness of God in giving us Earth, water, air. 
And as He created that for us through Jesus, what did He say? It is good. Jesus creates for us eternal redemption. Isaiah 49, Isaiah 42. That's the text we're going to look at at Easter Sunday. Isaiah 42. And as a result of the creative work of the Spirit in the life of Jesus, He was able to create in us a sense that we need to see Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And just think of it this morning. We receive Him by faith. And the blood of Christ washes us from all our sins. Don't mistake this. In the creative development of God's journey of salvation for us, when Abraham believed in God for righteousness by faith, what happened? It was counted on to him for righteousness' sake. So even though we didn't have the fullness of the covenant, because of God's creative work in bringing to us the development of total salvation in Christ, even in that process, that creative work was perfect. No different. Ladies and gentlemen, no different at all when it comes to the creative work of the Spirit leading us to see how Christ died perfectly for us. And how He was able to be made to become totally human on our behalf. Always perfect. Always in creation. text says Christ was a part of that. He was dwelt within it as we look at the Greek. And here we have the truth. Christ was very much involved with creation. Christ was very much involved with the Word as it was created to bring us eternal salvation. To give us the truths of Scripture to how to function and behave ourselves. One time I was in a university setting and I watched a lot of professors as they debated some of this stuff as it relates to Christ being the only truth and so on and so forth. And some of these professors were going back and forth to Russia back in the 80s and these guys are coming back so full of torment because what's happening to our world? I watched these other professors who were followers of Christ just living consistently as they fed their souls with the word of life, Scripture knew the fountain of the blood of Christ, blood of the New Testament, watching some of these guys through consistency of living, in spite of relativism, in spite of absolutes, come to see their need to receive Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Hope for us, isn't there? It's interesting coming to faith, our first um, Alliance Church, but with it now for almost five weeks. You know something? Before I got here, this church was perfect. Uh, I agree with you. (laughs) What happened when I arrived on the scene? It's now become imperfect. (laughs) But the truth of Christ prevails because He is the way in a very polluted, difficult world. God in His creation, Christ in His salvation for us, the Holy Spirit in His teaching ministry for us, He sees every person in the world at the same time. He sees every problem. He sees every need, whether it's academic or 
providing a meal for a person in Haiti. And he can minister to all these people at the same time in his creative worth and never get tired or lose one ounce of energy. He's going to present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. That is the truth. Period. Can Buddha talk this way? Can Muhammad talk this way? Haven't heard a lick yet. But we have Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. And I was a little over time in the first service, and you know something? It's going to happen again. <laughs> and I think it's critical. This is, a, this is a huge text, and I'm really struggling trying to preach these three words in a 30-minute sermon. I mean, good night. I would love to give you a treatment of what this looks like in the perfect present tense in the Greek and, and all the rest of it, but I can't do that stuff. You just, you just don't give me enough time. I'm just teasing you. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 9. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Truth! Friends, God focused on that issue, and it is enough. Christ was perfect in every way. He is the God-man. He is the mighty Counselor. He is the mighty Savior. Before He was, He is. And so on. Notice verse 22. In fact, the law requires that Nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Now let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to wash you from your sins, past, present, and future? Now do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? And that you come to communion totally rested in that principle. God brought into being the significance of the, the animal sacrifice. When, when He saw the obedience of the Old Testament people, He honored their obedience and says, it was counted on you for righteousness' sake. The new covenant is, Jesus Christ was the once and for all supreme sacrifice. And as the once and for all supreme sacrifice, He took care of the sins past, present, and future. Where was Christ when He died on the cross, as we see it in Second Peter? He went and witnessed to those who were disobedient in the time of the flood that they too are without excuse because of the sufficiency of the blood of the Eternal One. Let's make it as palatable as we can. We're just about finished. In our first communion, what happened there? Peter said, who's closest? It wasn't very long after the time of the communion that what did Peter do? Denied him. Lied about him. When you get to John chapter 21, you have that wonderful dialogue between 
Christ, Thomas, Peter. Because of love and truth and life, what did Jesus say to Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? Hey, Peter, do you love me? He got a little indignant there. You know, how many of us are a little like Peter? Am I the only one in the church that's a little like Peter? A little impossible, a little erratic? What, what? No, I'm not going to go there. But what did Christ say to Peter? Feed my sheep. The blood of Christ, blood of the New Testament, is sufficient to give us maturity, a sense of well-being, and a sense of ministry in families, in church, wherever. That's why I asked the question, do you believe the blood is enough? How many of us are threatened about doing something in the life of the church? Let me have some fun. You know, you guys, you know what you need? You need a pastor just like me. <laughs> oh, you weren't supposed to. No, I'm just kidding. You know something? I'm imperfect. Your new pastor is going to be imperfect. But the gospel will be enough. The blood of the New Testament. It's out of that truth that we can have unity with your new lead pastor. That is the way, the truth, the life. When I was asked to become a superintendent back in 1994, the first reaction out of my mouth was no way. My father-in-law was just about dead, and it was tough. I had some tough issues to work through it as this thing happened. I said no. I said no four times and gave the nominating committee all kinds of names to consider, but not looking at this old grouchy guy. God woke me up in the middle of the night and says, are you going to do this, or are you going to be disobedient? God still speaks. Why? His truth is eternal. It's all-encompassing. Resides deep in our hearts. Nurtured by the Spirit perfectly as He creates His will within us. We're all in this together, folks. Trust God for your unity. And trust God for the nurtured work of the Spirit in the life of your new lead pastor. Remember, He's going to be imperfect. But the deposit of grace will be with him. The way, the truth, and the life. Let's celebrate the blood of the New Testament, the brokenness of Christ, out of his being flowed water that was perfect. Amen? Amen. Janet.